If you will, yeah, turn with me, if you will, to, here we go, Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> and then stand with me, if you will. We're going to, for the honoring of God's Word. Again, just as a reminder, we stand when we read, read the Bible, when, when we read Scripture, to make sure that we know that this is the authority in our lives. This is God's revealed uh, character and nature to us. So we want to make sure that we're, you know, we're honoring it in our lives and in our posture. So Acts chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse 12. Turn this back on. Yeah, but it okay. says this. <clears throat> then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. That'd be kind of a bummer to be the other guy on the team named Judas. <laughs> I'm Judas. Uh, not that one. Not that one. <laughs> we're going to talk about him. <laughs> they were all continuing in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among his brothers and sisters. The number of those who were together was about 120 and, he's, and said, brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell head first. His body burst open and his intestines spilled out. Lovely, huh? We haven't, don't, even, don't have any kids here, do we? No, here we go. <laughs> this became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that in their own language, that field is called Hakeldama, that is, field of blood. For it was, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who is also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. <clears throat> Lord, as we come before you, Lord, to study this interesting <laughs> and confusing at points uh, passage of Scripture, Lord, Lord, we just pray that you would reveal yourself. God, that you would reveal your, reveal your heart <clears throat> And God, I pray that you would invite us in. Invite us into your presence. Invite us into what you're doing in the life of, of, these, of this time of history in the church. But Lord, of especially what you are doing today. What you're doing in November of 2022. And what you want to do in these seasons and years in your church that is still here, Lord. The gates of hell have not prevailed against it, Lord. We are still here gathering in your name, worshiping you, Lord Jesus, and opening up your word to read, to study, but mostly, God, Lord, we want, we want you. We want you, Lord Jesus. We want you, Father. We want you, Holy Spirit. So come and rest upon our spirits. Lord, engage with our spirits. 
that we may be transformed by the renewing of our minds and hearts and that you may guide our steps everywhere we go. Bless us, Lord Jesus. Open up your word to us. Let us see and experience you here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. So it is very dangerous to cherry-pick the Bible. If you've ever done this, you know, Trying to open up the Bible to different passages of Scripture. You just imagine, you know, the, the people who like go to these different things and they flip to a page and they read a passage and they flip to another one and try to find guidance. And it's like, and Judas, and Judas fell headlong and his intestines spilled out on the ground. Burst open and spread out. The other one, go and do likewise. Like, <laughs> so it's very dangerous to cherry pick passages of Scripture. Don't do you because you have they have a context, they have they have a, a, a purpose. What's going on? And there's a purpose why we're told all these very gruesome things. And, but mostly why he, he tells us all these things about choosing another to replace Judas and what's going on with their, with them in Jerusalem. And, you know, there's not a passage, this is not a passage I would, I would randomly choose to preach by itself. <laughs> you know, when, you know, if I'm going to prepare a sermon for another church, you know, or go and prepare, prepare a sermon for a conference or a camp or something like that, I would not probably choose this passage for one that's very inspirational. But that's what happens when we read through a book of the Bible. We have to run through and address everything. And so there's a purpose here. There's a glory here. If we will open up our eyes to hear and to see and to experience what's going on. It has powerful implications for us. It helps us to think about how things ought to be and pursue that. Because oftentimes, like I say in the Scripture, we have two different ways we can interpret Scripture. It's either going to be uh, descriptive or prescriptive. It might just be existing there to show something. It's not telling us that we need to go the way of Judas because he did it. It's just telling us what happened oftentimes so that we don't do something. That's the whole context behind David. Going off and sleeping with Bathsheba and murdering her husband. It wasn't God saying, do that. It was saying, no, learn from his bad example. But also learn the grace that God bestowed on David. So this morning, I want to, the main point that I want to make here but with this passage is this. The passage is saying, choose fellowship to make beautiful music. Choose fellowship and make beautiful music. So that's your first line there. That's your thing there. Have you ever been to a symphony? You ever been to a concert where there's just live music playing and it's just so incredible? Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but a couple a couple of months ago, with our worship night at C3, I don't know how it sounded out there because Jeff was running sound and he hadn't been trained on the board yet. But <laughs> but instead, it sounded rough. But in my ears, it sounded amazing with Daniel and Ashton and myself and just and a couple of the, like vocalists and the musicians. Like it just sounded so amazing in my ears because I you know we have like inner headphones. But it was so amazing. Now I come from a a, a family of musicians. So I'm really picky. Um, and so my papa was a band director for like 30 years in Texas. And he loved music. 
He's passed away since, but he, he loved music. He played the tuba. His tuba fell on my head and gave me a scar. And <laughs> so he brought me to symphonies and to these band conferences. I got the signature of, of, of one of the famous conductors out, out the, that was out there. Um, even had all the people, all the musicians in the family come together around the, around the dinner table and play their instruments together. I have pictures of me when I was like Arrow's age, like playing my little slide whistle thing. You know, <laughs> or something. And, you know, we, get just, we got to sing around the table. And we got to sing this wonderful song, May who, All Who Come behind, behind Us Find Us Faithful. It became my family's banner. It, it became our family's song. We sung it for Sunday, morning, fun, Sunday evening services as a special music. And then I just got to find out a few, like a month ago, that your dad wrote it. That <laughs> Megan's dad wrote that song. <laughs> so, super cool. Music was my family. It's so ingrained in our family. My sister went on to sing in this incredible choir called the Sylvan Singers. And we were in this wine cellar. This one actually wasn't a cellar, it was a cave. Dug into the side of a mountain. They had two main shafts and then these connector shafts connecting them together. And they were in the middle one. And they had their like bells and their singing a cappella. And it was just reverberating all around these caves. I was just immersed. I was just sitting there going, it was like it was all the frequencies were just going through my body and my all the way down to my soul, my spirit. I went on a on a tour to, to Europe with a choir, with a select choir from California, and we got to sing in all these different cathedrals. And people would stop what they were doing as they're, the tour, and they were just it was just we were overwhelmed. We, like there were times we were in tears as we were singing in these cathedrals. It was beautiful. Music has a power. There's something in, incredible that happens when you are just enveloped by music. I think this was why David wanted to bring together the, the skilled musicians to worship the Lord at the entry, right there in front of his presence in front of the Ark of the Covenant. This word in the, in the Greek, there's a word for agreement or unity. When people come together, and they agree on something, and they come together in unity and, and love, and that word fellowship. And the Greek word is symphoneo. When we come together in unity, in love, in fellowship, we make beautiful music to God's ears. We make beautiful music to God's spirit. The Lord is enraptured with great pleasure when the church comes together to love and serve one another. Striving for fellowship, striving for unity and agreement, symphoneo, with one another. There's a, uh, <clears throat> there's a book that, uh, that, uh, that Tolkien wrote. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote and it was called um, the Silmarillion, and it talks all about like the creation story, in essence, of the uh, of, of the world, of Middle Earth. And he actually has the God character singing creation into being. And then when God spoke, it, it actually even in the, even the original Hebrew, it could mean that God was singing, making music, and proclaiming not just like the monotone, you know, you know, clear eyes guy. Wow, let there be light, right? 
but just singing creation to being. And that Satan started, Lucifer started to sing these off-key chords to, to sow discord into God's creation. Of course, it's just a story. But it hurts God's heart and stifles his spirit when there's discord, disunity, division and apathy in his church. When we decide to change the melody and discord happens. Jesus, I'm sorry, Judas chose to change his tune out of alignment and agreement with Jesus. And he got left behind. Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Or as, this, as uh, the CSB says, um, he chose to, you know, that uh, left to go where he belongs. Now, what's going on here? So we have a couple different ways that we can see this passage with Judas. Because in Matthew chapter 27, it says that he threw the silver that he used to be, that he got when he betrayed Jesus, he threw it into the temple and he went off and hanged himself. And then, so they, then they bought, then the, 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 uh, the Sanhedrin got the money, got the silver back, and they went and bought this field called the field of, now what's called field of blood. Now, if you remember, uh, Luke is a, the author is a, is a Gentile. And so he's writing to Gentiles, so that's why he has to explain. He's like, I'm going to use this word from Hebrew and let you know what it means. Uh, because I'm trying, I'm trying to explain to you the Jewish culture. Because remember, it's a Gentile audience, so he's trying to articulate this. So he went and, and they bought this field in his name, and that's why you can say, they can say later that, that Judas acquired it because it was acquired in his name. right? And so then... Here in our passage, it says that he fell headlong or fell headfirst and he, his, he fell to the ground and his gut exploded. Well, how does that happen if he hung himself? <laughs> it's really gross. <laughs> so I have a friend, I had a friend in, when I was living in, in Waco, Texas, that was part of the CSU, the crime scene unit in Waco. And she was a forensic scientist. Like CSI, she, that was her in, in, in Waco. She, and she loved... She's one of those weird macabre people. Loved to go to the body farm that was just south of there and see these different elements of decomposition. People would donate their bodies to decompose in this field in different situations so they could study it. Human bodies. That's like when you donate your body to science, sometimes that's what happens. So you're helping to help you know, solve crimes in the future, right? How your body is decomposing. So when you hang yourself, you're dead, right? And your body starts to decompose. Well, then the tissue around your neck will, and your and your spine will snap and give way, and boop. And so his body, and so basically the word, it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily only mean like he fell like head first. It's like headlong, or the word prenes in Greek means prone. Basically, it means forward. He fell and he fell on his on his chest on this side of his body. Not basically, he's just articulating that he fell on the front side of his body not the backside of his body, is what he said. So then he hit the ground, and because of the gases and everything built up in his here, you get the picture. (laughs) 
not pretty. I'm not going to go into any more detail about that, but so that's what happened in this, and, that, and that's how it can reconcile between hanging himself and falling forward, his, because, bloop, and, yeah, gross. Yeah. Man, what's going on with my computer? It's so weird. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. What's going on? Anyway. It doesn't like what I'm talking about, apparently. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> there we go. So weird. I don't know what's going on with my computer. Um, so, so this is what's happening. So Judas, so he, as, as the, the scripture is telling us, that he turned aside from fellowship. This is the illustration that we're getting here. That to choose fellowship and make beautiful music, but Judas decided to go his own way. Judas abandoned the fellowship, community, and the relationship, and we don't know why. It doesn't tell us why he did it. You know, we have all sorts of assumptions that we talked about in our Luke series, right? All sorts of different assumptions that we can make, but we don't know. We don't know why he did it. But as we know, like a lot of people, you know, we, we know, many of us have had the, the church hurt. The times where we've been hurt by organizations, by people, by relationships, and we just we ditch out. Or we're struggling with doubt and unbelief, and it feels like we can't. We don't have the safe space to wrestle with it in the church. We can't ask questions or or doubt. Like this passage, like well, it says he hung himself, but what's going on here? Because it said he like, fell headlong, and like this is this seems different. And so I'm I'm doubting what's going on here. So like verses like engaging, oftentimes it's you know doubt and disillusion, and and disappointments can lead us away from seeking. Closer fellowship. And Judas went the opposite direction. He said, Jesus, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And because you're not good enough, your people are not good enough. And maybe sometimes it's our, our experience is the opposite. Where it's your people are not good enough and therefore you're not good enough. He became the architect for what the Bible calls Antichrist. There's not a figure in, in the scripture that's named the, the Antichrist. Antichrist in, in New Testament theology is a, is a mindset. It is anti-Christian, anti-Christ's way. Anti-Jesus is basically what he's saying. This is basically what this word means. Um, so this is what John is talking about and when he talks about in first in first John 2. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I can almost picture John writing these words, remembering Judas. I can almost hear him writing these these words of of this entire chapter, which we're going to read the rest of it, of chapter 2 here in a minute, but remembering Judas, the conversations he had with him around the table, the friendship they had, the conversations on the road to different towns, and how it seemed like Judas just kind of threw it all away. Have we had those friends that walked away? That we feel just like 
abandoned us? That all of a sudden they, were, they stopped you know, returning our calls or our texts, our emails, our messengers? How did it feel? Now, I've gotten the emails saying, hey, we're leaving the church. For dumb reasons, too. <laughs> That's another... I've gotten the phone calls. I've gotten the texts. And then I've also gotten the crickets trying to reach out and send the texts, trying to make the calls, and nothing. No engagement in the relationship. I've experienced the Judases. Have you? You probably also have to yourselves. There's that mixture of hurt, but also love, because you want to love that person, but they've chosen to not be loved. And this is what I wanted to come to. To break fellowship with God is to break fellowship with the saints. And also to understand, to break fellowship with the saints is to break fellowship with God. You know, back in their day, they didn't have, you know, church shopping. You know, you got one church in the town. That was it. You couldn't, you know, get mad and go to the church down the street. Get mad there and go to the next church down the street. And then go to the other town and go and find one. You had, you had the church or you had nothing. And so it was, you know, this was, it was choosing to leave the expression of the church with relationship with God and the saints by leaving the fellowship of the saints and the community of saints to go into the world. Now, their world was like, you know, the Jewish society. They could either go back to their Jewish roots or the secular Roman world. If they were in a different town or if they were a Gentile themselves, they could either go to the Jewish society or to the Roman Roman world because both of them were comfortable and alluring for different reasons for someone. Maybe it was their past. I've met several different people that were you know, born and raised Catholic or born and raised Mormon. They're like, I can see the appeal to it, but I see this and I see that. And Coming out of that and wanting to feel comfortable to go back into what's comfortable. But there's good news. And I want us, I want, I want us to end, end our time with, with this with these, with these thoughts in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to read the rest of it here uh, from 18 to 29. Listen to, to John's heart. Listen to John's word. This whole passage, he's just gotten done saying, don't love the world or the things of the world. For the love of the Father is not in you. Know, the one who loves the world, is the love of the Father is not in him. Everything in the world, the, the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes and the pride of possessions is not from the Father, but from his, is from the world. And the world with its lusts is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. He's, he's got Judas on his mind. He's saying, don't give up on God. Don't give up on the fellowship of His saints. Don't give up on the church. Don't give up on what Jesus loves and died for. He says this, children, this is 18, is the last hour. And you have heard that Antichrist is coming. Even now, many antichrists have come. But this we know that it is the last, by this we know that, that it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would, would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be clear that none of them belongs to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, 
and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? If, it, if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the, fa- the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He Himself made to us. Eternal life. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, His anointing teaches you all about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, remain in Him. So now, little children, remain in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. John wants to make sure that those who come to believe and place their faith and place their lives and place their allegiance in Jesus stay there to remain in Christ, to remain in His love, to remain, as John remembers from when he wrote his Gospel, that Jesus is the vine and we're the branches and we must remain in Him. Don't get lost We already lost one. Don't get lost in the ways and the lures of the world. The one who wants to deceive you and lead you away, either back into law or back into licentiousness. We don't know what Judas' hang-up was, whether his was law. Maybe he's just stopped believing and he went back to his Jewish roots. Or he was like full-on out. He was like, no, the lures of the world itself. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. We don't know. But John is saying, stay. Stay. Hold. Stay on target. Stay on target. Oh, the nerds will get that one. <laughs> he wants us to persevere. Because remember, he wrote... <laughs> He wrote Jesus' incredible, beautiful prayer that Jesus desires that we are one as He and the Father are one. That's the whole purpose of Jesus' prayer in the temple. After they leave the upper room, they go to the, they're in the temple. And Jesus is praying for all of His disciples. He's saying, Father, make them one as you and I are, are, are as you're in me and I in you, make them like that. Intertwined with one another as we are entwined with them. All about this. Unity, love, harmony, symphoneo with everyone. Remember who was among them in the temple. The, these disciples but remember who wasn't? 
Judas. But also remember who else was a part of this, this prayer in, in the temple courts. As Luke makes a big, you know, keeps continually making this, is, or this is another one of those, hey, here it, here it is again. G, you know, Luke makes a big deal of the women. The women. Luke continues this, his theme of highlighting how Jesus' ministry elevates the value and role that women play in God's new covenant kingdom. There, the, you know, these are these, the women that we see here in, his, in the first part of the passage and that are, that are in this, this room praying together for these 10 days before Shavuot begins are probably the same women that were funding his ministry and were following him in Luke chapter 8. They're supporting his ministry with both their presence, but also, here's the thing, also waiting for their call to what God had called them to do in ministry in in God's new covenant people. This is an incredible view again of what God is doing in the church, bringing everyone together. As Paul would even say, there's no Jew or Gentile, male or female, all are one at the cross. Billy Graham, I just came to, came to find out this last week, he was famous for quoting this, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Now his day, he was trying to, he was fighting for, you know, against segregation. He was fighting for unity. He actually, <laughs> this one set him apart. He went down there that, into the sections that, you know, those, these ropes that separated the whites and the blacks, and he tore it down. And all the ushers were like, uh, uh, like trying to put it back up. He's like, no, <laughs> like ripped it down. And that was that. He never did a segregated revival ever again. No more segregated crusades. Because he said that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And that is what Jesus is doing to the church. It's level. Jesus' mother is there. Jesus' brothers, physical, biological brothers were there among the apostles. There were 120 at the foot of the cross. Okay, not physically, because they all left. But they were there, <laughs> spiritually, together in unity, making music in their hearts, in the upper room, praying together in unity in one spirit. Make music in our hearts. This is what God wants. God wants to make music in our hearts. This is what He means. Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making music with your heart to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, 
with our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. I want us to stop just to pause real quick and to see what he's been saying before and what he's saying after and to notice this one word continually. Us. Not me. Not I. Us. He's saying us. The fellowship of the church. The unity of the body of Christ. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Since He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. I love that. Provoke. Not to anger. Provoke what? Love. Good works. Not like not neglecting to, to gather together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging each other. And all the more as, as you see the day approaching. Here, here's the thing. We have boldness, yes, to come before, the, you know, to go through, in, you know, into the, to enter into the sanctuary, to go through the curtain, to come before His presence, to have boldness. We have boldness together. We have boldness together. We always say, this is, our faith is not a me and Jesus faith. It's a we and Jesus faith. It's a God is concerned and God loves His church, His body. We have boldness when we come together. There is strength in number. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise one another. To grow in our faith. We have to have relationship in order to forgive. In order to sacrifice, in order to honor and to submit to one another. And in this whole illustration of making music together, so choosing fellowship, making music together, God is the composer. The apostles are like the conductors. We, the church, are the musicians. And the music is the unity of the kingdom. Love for one another. We're playing music, making music in our hearts to God, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But did you notice that? He said, addressing one another or admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thanksgiving and making music in our hearts to God. So what does God want for us in the church today? He wants us to choose fellowship. Choose fellowship. Make beautiful music. He desires for us to create opportunities to love, serve, submit one to another. And yes, there will be hurt. There will be offense. And that's why he keeps saying, forgiving one another. We have troubles in this world. That's why we need to bear one another's burdens. And we'll see that more and more continually all throughout the Scripture. All throughout our our studying the book of Acts. It's all about the one another. Because when we come together, when we choose fellowship, it's beautiful music to God's ears as the smell of the aroma of the offering and the sacrifice in the temple was to his nose. 
so the unity and, and the fellowship and the love of the church is beautiful music to his ears. It is a fragrant aroma for the Lord. So choose fellowship so that we can make beautiful music together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I I just pray, Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you for what you are doing in your church, in this region, in this in here at Shift Church, in this city, in this in this region, all across this region, Lord. And I, Lord, I, just, I pray that you would show us your heart for unity, show us your heart for fellowship, that we would not be like Judas who chose to do it on his own and to leave the fellowship and to walk away from faith, but Lord, that we would be. We would, we would hear the words of your apostle John and pursue one another to come together in love and fellowship and community and knowing that you are, you are the composer of it all. Bring us together, knit us together in love for one another in new and powerful ways. Teach us, Lord God, what that means. In Jesus' name, amen.